0: Most people do not directly say no to God, no to Jesus, but many indirectly say no to Jesus. Hold that thought. I'll come back to you later. Last, last evening I was up in Williston. Father Russell Kovach was celebrating his 10th or nation anniversary, so I went up there to celebrate it with him. Monsignor Thomas Richter, who's at Queen of Peace in Dickinson, came up, good friend of Father Kovach. It was he who gave the, the homily, so some of the points that you hear in this homily are going to be from Monsignor Richter. It's, it's great having to be able to attend Mass and then come to another parish and, and preach it. So um, the, the land of Israel was broken up at the time of Jesus into three main areas. The northern area called the Galilee is where Jesus grew up. Nazareth is in Galilee as well as the Sea of Galilee. To the south, there's the, the land of Judea. Jerusalem, Bethlehem is in the land of Judea. In between, there's the land of Samaria. The Jordan River is to the, if you're looking at the map, to the far right of, of those three areas. The people of Samaria were, were often called half-breeds because they were partially Jewish, but also partially pagan. During the Babylonian exile, what ended up happening is, the although the good Jews were brought up into Babylon, a few Jews remained, and then King Nebuchadnezzar uh, took some, or, 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 or took some other people, as well as earlier the king of Assyria, took some other people and displaced them there in, in Samaria, and then the people of Samaria, they, they were this cross between Jewish people and, and pagans. They worshipped Yahweh, they worshipped God, but they also worshipped false gods. The Jewish people did not like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans did not like the Jewish people. Yet when Jesus came to the land of Samaria from time to time, there, there were great encounters that he had, and they accepted him. We can think of the, the woman at the well that Jesus met. In our Gospel reading today, we hear that, that Jesus decides to travel through Samaria. Most of the Jews had traveled around through the Jordan area. But Jesus sends people ahead, messengers ahead, to say that he's going to be coming to this particular Samaritan village. When the people hear him, that he's going to be coming, they, they don't welcome him for this reason, because Jesus' destination is Jerusalem. So they don't welcome Jesus Jesus does not conform to their desires to conform to the ways they want him to be. So they reject him. Jesus decides to stay in another village then. And as they're journeying along, there's this guy that comes up to Jesus and says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus' responds, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, has nowhere to rest his head meaning that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be ready to leave your comfort zone. We, we're all familiar with this. No one gets good at sports. No one get, gets good at basketball, football, any sport, unless the coach challenges the person to leave the comfort zone. And when the person leaves that comfort zone, Then they're able to excel. They're able to grow and get better. Foxes have their comfort zones. Birds have their comfort zones. But the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Meaning, get ready to become uncomfortable if you're going to follow me. As he continues on this journey, he says to another individual, follow me. And this guy replies, Lord, Let me go first and bury my father. Jesus answers with a very, it almost sounds harsh statement. It's Jewish hyperbole. He says, Let the dead bury their dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another says to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to my family at home. Keep in mind, there's nothing wrong with burying the dead. It's in fact one of the corporal works of mercy. In the book of Tobit, God commands the people to bury the dead, and that's exactly what Tobit is doing. But that comes after following the Lord. There's nothing wrong with saying farewell to one's family, as we heard in our first reading, the the prophet Elisha asking Elijah to, to go back and say farewell to his father and mother and kiss them goodbye. But when he goes back, he destroys his livelihood. He's a farmer. He takes the yoke of oxen, the farm equipment, and he destroys it all. So that he can follow Elijah unreservedly. But so often, you and I, we say, Jesus, I will follow you. I will say yes to you, but first, enemy, let, you know, let me do this. Jesus, I will follow you, but first, let me go do X. Jesus, I will say my morning prayers, but first, let me go do X. I will begin to say my evening prayers, but first, let let me finish this TV show. I will go to Mass regularly on Sundays and Holy Days, but first, I'm going to put into my schedule this event and that event. I love you, Jesus, but first... This. Do you see what I'm getting at? We don't directly say no to Jesus, but how often do you and I indirectly say no to him? I say God's the center of my life, but so often he's not. I first do this and then that and then that. And pretty soon I'm going to sleep at night. I wake up the next morning and I realize I haven't even prayed yesterday. Or, I miss Mass. Or, it's been a week since I've said my prayers. And I haven't intentionally said no, but I've turned to all these other things first. Good things. Good things. prayer that all of us will have to make at this Mass is, is, is this. We must remember that Jesus wants us, he wants us first to come to him because he wants to order our life correctly. At this Mass, let's pray for the grace that our lives may be ordered, not disordered. In Cardinal Robert Sarah's book, God or Nothing, he tells this story. You may have heard this story. I've, I've seen it in different places. But he, Cardinal Serra says, says this, there was the teacher in the class what uh, were in front of him sitting in all their chairs. And, and one day he sets up onto the, the desk, this big pot. And then he proceeds to grab some big stones and put them into the pot fills it up to the brim and he says to the students is the pot full? and they all chime yes it's full now you can't fit any more rocks in there Then the teacher reaches down under the desk again and he pulls out a, a a bowl of gravel and he pours the gravel in he shakes it gets it all the way to the brim and he said now is the pot full? and the student says yes Now it's full. And he reaches under the desk again, and he grabs a bowl of sand. He pours the sand in, shakes it, fills it to the brim. And he says, now is the pot full. There's silence, and one young girl raises her hand and says, most likely not. Then he reaches down and he grabs a canister of water and he pours it into the pot. Then he turns to the students and he says, so is our life. So often we pour it into the pot in the reverse manner. And when we pour it in, in the reverse manner, when we put those things in that we think ought to go first, what ends up happening is you can't fit everything in. But when you put the most important things in first, into your time, you will find that you still have room for, for other things. The same is true. The same is true for us Christians. So often we want to put the water, the sand in those things that you know, we, we think go First. What ends up happening is our life is so disordered. But Jesus wants us to put him first. He wants us to have an ordered life. And then we still have time for vacation. We still have time to, to spend with family and friends. We still have time to do all these things that we love doing, which are good things. But we have put the big rocks in first. First. We have put God first. Let's make that our prayer at this Mass.